This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros. Saturday, January 12th, you can catch me in San Francisco doing a live query as part of San Francisco Sketchfest. So I hope to see you there. You can get tickets on my website, CameronEsposito.com. And if you go to CameronEsposito.com slash tour, you'll head right there to the tour dates section. Also, we got a new episode today. It's a chat with Fran Dunaway, who's one of the founders of Tomboy X Underwear. Tomboy X does sponsor our podcast, so I want to say that. Um, I know it. You know it. But... I also have tried this year to invest in folks outside of just the celebrity community and the entertainment industry and look at people who are trying to support uh, queer folks in politics and business. I'm working on it. I'm always working on expanding my lens. So I was very interested to talk to Fran because Tomboy X is something that has kind of cut through um, into my purview in terms of a brand. And um, I wanted to hear more about how it was founded, some information for all of you. So please enjoy this episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hey, I always have folks introduce themselves on the podcast. Would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Fran Dunaway, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Tomboy X. Yeah, you've been a, a Tomboy X, not you specifically, like personally, but Tomboy X has been a sponsor of Query for a long time. And one thing that I've been excited about recently is just talking to folks. You know, I've done a lot of interviews with folks in the entertainment industry because like I live in LA, it's the easiest type of person to get on a podcast. They know what podcasts are, everything. Um, but one thing that is exciting right now to me is that for queer folks, if you want to spend your your dollars supporting businesses that specifically make clothing that has you in mind, you know, and it's not just like a shirt with a rainbow on it, but it's like something that's engineered to feel more inclusive or to feel more right. And so I thought about Tomboy X because I think uh, the company absolutely does that. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's the really important thing. You know, one of the realities of of, of my life has been that I've been an activist for a, a very long time. And it's always been really important to me to make sure that you're uh, putting your dollars, spending your dollars in, in places that people who care about you. And it, obviously, as a lesbian owned, my wife and I own the company. Uh, we are very careful about who we do business with, how we do business, and we're, we are definitely thinking about the queer community. It's our community, has been for a very long time. <laughs> and so I don't think people realize or recognize how important that is to kind of put your money where your mouth is and, and get behind companies that are supporting you and causes that aren't just jumping on the trend or aren't... Uh, you know, marching in the parade because it's it's a new corporate 
good deed of the year. And so I, I, I just uh, appreciate that you recognize that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you said you've been an activist for a long time. Well, I would love to know, where, you, where are you from? Where did you grow up? I'm an Army brat. My people are in the Deep South, Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, I spend a lot of time in Missouri and uh, all the way through grad school and then uh, found my way to the Pacific Northwest and decided that a place that had mountains and water all in the same locale was the <laughs> right place for me. Wow. So uh, your dad was your dad in the service? Were both your parents in the service? Uh, well, when you're in the service, your whole family's in the service. That's so right. Anyway, Correct. Yeah, thank you for the correction. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, my dad was in the service. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. Wow. And um, that was for your, your whole childhood. And then what, you moved to the Pacific what, Northwest on your own. Like what age? Yeah, I moved up here when I was 25, just after grad school. Prior to that, uh, I had lived in... Well, before I graduated from high school, I'd lived in 13 different homes. So wow. we moved around a lot. Uh, we were fortunate in that we were able to stay in the Missouri area for quite some time. My mother decided, a uh, small town woman from Mississippi decided that uh, she was going to um, make a career and uh, become a stockbroker. So she started out as a is what they called a secretary back in the day. And she worked her way up to a stockbroker. So her career was taking off. And so uh, our family made some separation uh, sacrifices in order to stay in the Missouri area, which was good for um, me and my brother, but we didn't see my dad for a couple of years. So. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's super interesting also because, I mean, was it normative that your mom wanted to have a career? I'm just imagining Missouri. I don't know. I mean, no, I think, was, I think you're maybe time. talking about a time when that was, when she was a little bit of uh that's right. Leading she the charge. Did. She was leading the charge. She's still leading the charge at 82. And uh, awesome. absolutely. She was, she was one of the very first women to uh, be a, a stockbroker. And then she shattered a lot of, uh, of records as well. So, uh, it was, it was, it was quite something really to see, uh, you know, essentially, um, a woman from a very small town in Mississippi that, uh, didn't finish college, uh, just decide that I'm as smart as these guys and I'm going to figure it out. And she did. You know, that's very interesting to me because you're somebody who started their own business and that's something that requires, um, you know, a couple things. I think one of them is, you have to sort of take the fear of failure and like be able to silence that enough to take the risk of starting a business because, you know, a lot of folks, um, it makes more sense sometimes just to join, you know, like you get a job, you don't create your job, but, um, my dad's a small business person. And so when it came time for me to figure out what to do, it wasn't as much of a leap in my brain for me to create my own job because I had seen it all around me. It was normative for me. So I, I can imagine for somebody like you that's trying to start their own business, having a parent, um, who, you know, was paving their own way like that, must have Im impacted your confidence, you know, just having the idea that you could do something for yourself. I, yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm not sure if it was about confidence. I think it was just about nerve or sure. <laughs> craziness, whatever it is. Um, 
so yes and no. I think that that she certainly has an entrepreneur spirit, and uh, it was really for us. It just became a responsibility. So it also tapped into a side of me that was the activism side or the activist side. And when we started the company, it was because I wanted a cool shirt. I wanted a beautiful button-up shirt. And we chose the name Tomboy because we thought it was a, a cute name. And then we started hearing from people around the world, really, women and girls uh, that were so excited to have a brand that saw them for the very first time. And so when that became kind of, uh, when, when we recognized that, that's the part that became a responsibility. And then we wanted to be a brand that recognized and that was inclusive and that, that uh, reflected a kind of the, uh, the, you know, outlaws or the uh, non-stereotype, just people who are out there being who they are and not, not uh, try to tell people how to be cool, but to celebrate how cool we think they are. <laughs> when did you when start did you- the company? What we started with the shirts um, five years ago, and in, uh, in we started a Kickstarter campaign. We bootstrapped the development of these beautiful button-up shirts, and uh, kind of like a Robert Graham or Ben Sherman for women, which has, or at the time it was for women. Now we're very gender neutral, but um, that was the concept: wanting to have a cool button-up shirt. And uh, then we launched, did a has successful Kickstarter, and then we uh, started putting our logo on stuff while the, while our shirts were in the uh, in production. And then we realized that uh, we were getting a lot of requests. Naomi, my wife, uh, was doing uh, customer service, and she said, "You know, we're getting a lot of requests for boxer briefs for women." And I went and did some research, typed in Nordstrom.com, boxer briefs for women, and up came a pair of Spanx. So we were pretty <laughs> sure that was not what the customer was looking for. And it was interesting because it was also, we had been doing some research into how brands had been built that, that still have a heart and soul today, like a Patagonia or Ben and Jerry's those kind of companies, what was it that was their secret sauce when they began? And they all needed a hero product. And uh, so we were excited to test that idea. Um, We had a friend who was a local police officer who brought in her stack of men's boxer briefs and told us how to make good ones. And uh, so we decided that that was, uh, we were gonna take a huge leap of faith. We couldn't pay for them, so we did a pre-sale and then we're hoping to sell half of them in order to pay for them or about half. And, and uh, lo and behold, we sold out in, in two weeks. And uh, six months later, we tripled our revenue and we thought, well, I think we're an underwear company. <laughs> um, those, those original ones, did they have, what did they look like? Did they have the rainbow band that I'm used to seeing? No. Or what, what, what did they, they look like design-wise? They, they, they were the original four, what's now called the four and a half inch and the six inch. Uh-huh. And so the uh, six inch we named, we named our boxers at that time. And uh, the six inch were named for our friend, the police officer, and we called them the good karma. And since she uh, was a police officer, the four and a half inch length, we called the feeling frisky. So <laughs> uh, that was our old brand. Yeah. And we were big into puns. So yeah. we, we did a rebrand and relaunched in uh, July of 2016, and that's the whole new look and feel that you see on the site now. Yeah, and something that 
you know, really impressed me or impresses me every time I read your ad copy is um, the size and inclusivity, really inclusive on sizing, which I really like. And then the other thing that was really something that was being talked about, wow, like it must have been last summer. I'm trying to think of when I was doing these ads, but that was when um, the like nude uh undies were coming out, but you were talking about like a, a fuller color palette and mm-hmm. um, that might match different sh- skin shades. And so I, f- I feel like it's, you know, that was interesting to me because like maybe that's happening now. I'm not like fully up on what all underwear companies are doing, but I do think that if you are a company that's already, um, you know, presenting as like, here's a, here is a, an, an underwear for folks who felt left behind. You are sort of then I guess required to keep expanding what you mean by that. Like I would imagine that that's where, when you're talking about responsibility, you know, you were listening, okay, folks want underwear. We'll go to where, what folks want. And then you're trying to establish the brand that you are. I would imagine you have a constant need to open, to continue that responsibility. So does that feel like yeah. a lot of pressure? Does that feel exciting? What does that feel like? You know, it's, it, it, at some point it uh, becomes really about the, uh, building the business, right? Growing the mm-hmm. business and expanding the business. And we want to increase our uh, customer awareness. We want to get new customers in. We want to be the underwear company that is not only inclusive, but that gets it right. And so our focus on fit and quality, I think, is is unparalleled. And we're really, you know, our, our reviews are telling us that. We get a lot of great feedback. And we work really hard. That didn't come easily. I mean, we our quality control efforts, uh, the fabrics that we use, the factories that we use, uh, the standards that we use. And then we also were, are unique in that we, most apparel companies, when they, uh, start with a pattern they'll start with a zero or a two and then they numerically or through an algorithm they'll grade up from there and we decided especially in our plus size categories that the body shapes vary drastically a six foot tall 4x is very different than a than a uh, you know a, a five foot three 4x and so we wanted to make sure that we that the, the patterns worked for all, all body types. And so, and in fact, to this day, we have real customers coming in and doing fit uh, testing and, and uh, they wear our product and give us feedback on it. So we're constantly, and we're not losing sight of that. It is a continual lesson learning, making sure we got it right, because uh, really it's about the fit and the quality. And you know, we say we want everyone comfortable in their own skin. And so that applies to not only the fit, but kind of the, the product is, or the brand as well. Well, I guess more activists need to start making underwear. That would be. <laughs> no, no, we, we got this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then other things, other things. <laughs> um, yeah, the shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What were you doing right before this? Uh, I was actually a partner in a media strategies firm, and I produced political ads for Democrats and Democratic campaigns nationwide. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is a big career shift. But yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You're, you're, um, I mean, I guess, okay, 
especially with the way that you talk about your product and you talk about your business, you're talking about like speaking to what is needed and listening and like improving the product based on feedback. And I mean, that's the same. That's how you run a political campaign, right? Same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like that. Only, um, you know, uh, we're getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and when and then on uh you know day what is uh, on november 5th it's over with and and uh for a few months and then you have uh, a break and uh this is this is non-stop it's uh Naomi and i are taking our first uh vacation this year for the first time in five years so it's it's a very different thing but yeah it is there are a lot of similarities congratulations on that vacation fun. i'm happy yeah. for you can't wait that's great how how long were you doing the and you, you even just said what it was, but I, the, it, it was a political consulting, political yeah. consulting is this is a shorter way of saying it. <laughs> How long were you doing political consulting? About 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. I've really had three careers. So this is my third career. So. Okay. Political consulting. What was right before that? Uh, right before that, I, out of college, I was a, an administrator and then executive director for a human services organization. And we specialized in autism. So I had a lot of group homes throughout the state. Oh, wow. You know yeah. what? I get it, actually. Um, <laughs> I, was a, I was in social work grad school when I started doing oh. comedy. Um, I, I worked in special ed with um, students with severe physical special needs. because, And I wanted to go be a therapist for that community because it was a community that really spoke to me. Um, yep. But, you know, you just... I mean, I find for me anyway, it's like you're in, you're interested in the same thing. Your access points change, you know, like for me, always kind of interested in um, what's important to people, how to bring people closer together. Stand up comedy yep. is what I do now, but I do it from the same vantage point, like the 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 outlet shifts, but the um, the vantage point stays the same. I I don't know if that's been your experience as well, but. It doesn't yeah, shock me that you would have those three careers, actually. Exactly, and 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 also the thing is, it's about contributing and uh, mm. you know trying to make the world a better place. And uh, yeah, so that was that was definitely my my career. And then uh, sold everything and went to film school. So that's how I got into um, video production. Wow, yeah. wow. Crazy. So you, and what was it like? I mean, I'm imagining also that's a huge. That's a huge span. How long? You said 15 years that you were working in political consulting? Yes. So, like, if you started this company, I mean, I'm just imagining, like, even just as a queer person, what you must have seen. And also just the candidates, and you said you were working for Democratic candidates, the shift in how folks were talking about our community during that time, monumental. You know, that's from, that's from, like, I'm going to protect you by instituting Don't Ask, Don't Tell to... Um, the first states are allowing marriage equality. I mean, that's a huge. Yeah, just in well, the way the Democratic was, Party is on our side, it's just completely different. Completely different the in, approach. In all of society. Yeah, yes. No, it's it's absolutely, and I think that part of uh, my gravitation to the Northwest too. I mean, I I when I came out, I was like out. It's like I'm never. It's who I am, and kind of you know screw you if you can't take it. And, um, and so that was just more kind of, I felt like I was still the same person. I was just more enlightened because I knew who I was. What age were you? Uh, 21. 
And so, uh, yeah, and then I, I ended up, I actually was working for a very conservative Christian agency when I was doing the group home stuff, but I was completely out. And, uh, and then when I sold everything and went to film school, um, it was about that time that I was in P-Town actually, and I, and I came across uh, the off, uh, very small office of the Human Rights Campaign. And I, could, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe there was an organiza organization that was fighting for my rights. And, and so I, I was hooked right away. And a few years later, when I moved to Seattle, I was on the steering committee that started the human rights campaign here and then co-chaired the dinner for three years, then was an interim executive director for Equal Rights Washington, and, uh, and then started really working in, in uh, video production for candidates and, and causes that, that I cared about. So yeah, it's just been, it's been more of a kind of, this is how I'm going to spend my time and energy, but also where I'm going to spend my dollars. And so that was part of the, the equation actually when Naomi and I started the company, because I didn't, I'd never been interested in just making money to for the sake of making money. And so the way that we decided to pursue this capital endeavor was to build a brand that was, that was um, optimistic and that was hopeful and that was inclusive and that was kind. And, uh, and I think that that speaks to who we are individually and uh, as people. And so that, that's, uh, that was how we decided to, to frame it. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! You and I have a lot in common, actually. I mean, you know, I really relate to all the things that you're saying. Yeah. And I'm curious about what it was like doing that work. You know, you were talking about um, it being a conservative Christian company or uh, agency that you were working through and that you were out there. And what was that like with your coworkers during that time? Ooh, um you know, when I when I started the the uh, group home stuff, when I was doing that for the Christian agency, it was interesting because they, I got hired at a time that the agency was in big trouble from the state, and uh, they well, needed uh, a, for what reason? Uh, I, I, they had, there had been some, they they were doing some things um, that were I think I think someone had uh, been hurt or something. Anyway, they. The state came in and, and they were really tampering down on them. And they were uh, they had contracted with this company to open the first medically fragile group home for uh, developmentally disabled children. And so I got to go to five institutions and handpick five kids to move into the community. 
and uh, into this beautiful group home that this agency had had, uh, had built. And I, re I remember going into the first uh, interview and there were, there was this whole board of, of the, of the, the Christian group and it's fundamentalist um, Dutch Christian organization up in the Linden, Washington area. And uh, the woman from the state was there and I, I just looked at her and she smiled and I thought, okay, I think I got this. I think, I think we're okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we never, it was never an overt uh, uh, discussion with any of the board members or anything, but they clearly knew. And I ended up actually, uh, the when I moved to Washington with, I ended up hiring her and in order to do so, made sure that they were all comfortable. She interviewed with them alone and, um, and then they hired us and six months later, you know, we had run, won all these accolades and everything. But then later this, they, uh, there were some more improprieties happening within the organization and the executive director was uh, asked to leave. And then I was promoted to the executive director. And it was interesting because that was in the, in the actual community up in, up in Linden. And, uh, you know, the, the number two in command up there, he should have been the one, he was from the community, he should have been the one that was appointed, but the former executive director had been keeping him so in the dark that he didn't know how to, to kind of run things. Oh, so well. my agreement was that I would do it for a year, but with this guy at my side, and then I would hand it off to him. And so that's what I did. Where is that uh, geographically? That it's, in North, it's in northern Washington. It's almost to Canada. And I'm imagining, you know, that's also, I was very recently, I mean, within the last three weeks, driving between Portland and Seattle. Ah. And um, so you, you know, for me, I've done that, and I've done that drive a bunch of times. I've even driven, and I've driven north of Seattle, like to, yeah, essentially almost the border. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of folks that maybe are less familiar with that area, with Portland and Seattle, I think, you know, I certainly have the impression and it's like exported to me that, that, that those are very, um, progressive areas, but just outside is extremely number one rural and pretty isolated, partially sometimes just, um, because of like nature, actually there's large mountains or yeah. like, you know, coastline, um, it's, uh, rugged. And then also it's just not very densely populated. So pretty, pretty red. Uh, yeah. and you know, just driving between Portland and, um, Seattle a couple weeks ago, there was like so many political signs. I've done this drive before, but not this close to an election. And I didn't yeah. see that many political signs. Um, that but, one but, crazy billboard guy. Oh yeah. And they are, they are all for Republican candidates. And there's like yeah. a Nancy Pelosi, like, like call out billboard with yeah. like a weird uncle Sam next to it. You're just like, who that's is this even one. for? Yeah. That's the guy <laughs> who is this? Like, I just mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, that I'm just imagining you being, in a more rural area in Washington, I mean, or just anything that's not Seattle and Tacoma is like a little bit more rural because there's just oh, not yeah. that many, it's not densely populated outside of those areas. And then also working at a Christian organization. And, you know, to me, I, I think about that time and like the responsibility that you held there you, just because, I mean, did you ever hear anything about what the organization thought about, about queer folks or like what never, no, never came know. up? No, I think that my goal, um, and like I say, when I handed it over to this guy, I mean, I think he struggled with it mightily because he liked me. 
And I just showed up every day and was myself. Yes. That, that's all, that was all that was required. And uh, my girlfriend at the time, she showed up and did great work. We did wonderful, wonderful things for the people in their community. Uh, one quick example, um, the guy I replaced as the executive director in, in where he lived with this particular community uh, was older people that uh, in mostly Down syndrome people, probably in their 30s and, and up. And uh, everything was under lock and key. And in his office, he had a panel that had all of the keys on it and that he kept under lock and key. And uh, once he was gone and I went in, the very first thing I did was unlock everything. And just was like, this is crazy. You know, these people live here. And I had so many parents just come up. I mean, it's, it just made an instant difference in their their children's lives who they love very much and so it it was those kind of things where you just keep going no 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 we're not doing that anymore and respect and care and concern and genuine for the people that we were there to serve uh two of the down syndrome gals i'll never forget because one was named frances and moved her into an apartment and you know she was just beside herself and so stuff like that, that was just, and, and it was fortunate because there was a very progressive and modern thinking woman in charge of the develop, di- Division of Developmental Disabilities here. And uh, they had done some work within the state to, on how, what their values were. And so it was easy to then point to those and say, this is what I'm looking, I'm looking to provide your children with status. I'm looking to provide your children. And in order to do that, we also have to provide that to the workers, the employees. So how about a 401k plan? How about, (laughs) right? And so it was just more that kind of working of the systems and kind of holding a mirror up and saying, let's do this, let's do this. And so that I think has been true um, throughout throughout my various careers. Well, I love that. Well, I love and I think what you're describing is actually a lot a more, more I think it's I think it's a lot more folks I think it's a lot more what folks are experiencing when they work in I mean, I just think about I travel the country so much for my job. And I think right now we're being still, I mean, more than ever, uh, being like sold this idea that, um, you know, there's this huge clash of cultures. And especially when there's somebody who is progressive and there's somebody who's um, conservative, and especially if there's somebody who's religious and there's somebody who's queer and they live in the same community. And, um, you know, the the voice of fear that we're hearing on a national level right now. I mean, what I find is that locally, folks just kind of work together to get the job done because that's actually what you have to do. You know, on a daily basis, you have to survive. And you tend to be more open to your neighbors and more loving to your neighbors. Not always. And certainly, like, I think racism is something that uh, is endemic in, you know, across the country in, in ways that are, really brutal. But I think for, for queer folks, um, who are so scared and who are like listening to this rhetoric on high, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of what you're describing person being in a situation where like, you know, it's a whatever religious institution and it's an area of the country. Maybe we don't think of as being particularly progressive, but you're there that you're doing the work, you're earning the respect from the parents. What are they going to do? 
hate you? Right. No, right. they're not because you're bringing respect to them. Yeah. But that isn't to say that I didn't have a guy that went and told all the neighbors that there was a lesbian running the group home and that it was a little scary. How but, did that go over? Yes. Like, how, uh, did, how did that go over? Uh, you know, they just, I, I had like, I think there were 40 churches in the town at the time. And I had like five preachers come in and, you know, or ministers or whatever they were come in and want to meet me and talk to me. And yeah, what can they say? I mean, I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing my job and blah, blah, blah. But two weeks ago, I was in Biloxi, Mississippi, helping my parents move in the midst of all this rhetoric. I knew it had to be done before the election. And uh, it, but it, it's it's absolutely what you're talking about, you know, in, in this little um, enclave. It's, it's, it's kind of a cul-de-sac, but it's more of a, a circle. And my parents had just moved in. They finally rebuilt after losing everything to Katrina. And literally, you know, all day long, somebody was coming by and, and from all walks of life and all ethnicities and all uh, political beliefs. And there's, there's a gay guy next door. My, uh, you know, there's the, the liberal Democrats on the other side. And, and then there's the, you know, the staunch Republicans and, but everybody would have a cocktail at night and and just (laughs) go there. <laughs> That's when they afterwards is when they turn on the TV, right? And we all start screaming and disbelief and outrage yes. and things like that. But but I think that is that is uh, it's not healthy. I, I that that does worry me. I guess I don't think that. Yes, exactly. I mean, yes. Then that's when the TV goes on. I guess I don't think like you know the queer folks are universally treated well. I just think that the individual queer folks that people know and have to have contact with, they are there's more love there than we talk about, you know? And, and that's what I think is like this weird, um, it's in, it's in opposition, right? Like in, you know, in your daily life there getting respect and then having to deal with some preacher being sent your way. And that, that is, I think still the experience that, that we all have, but. I think is what's changing is that the, uh, is, is the ability or how much we will talk about it. Um, tell me more about that. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I, I have some friends who, you know, recently were are, are married and they were recently at event an event, um, a maritime event. So it's, you know, a lot of elderly maritimers and mariners and whatnot. And so they were they were more cautious, even though everyone knows. And that's kind of to me, that was striking because that's kind of the way I used to be. I mean, now I mean, shit you know, <laughs> go on our website and, you, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious I'm married to Naomi and, and even in, even with the term wife, I mean, I was like, Oh God, I'll never use that now. And now I love it. I'm like, <laughs> I love to go in somewhere in Biloxi, Mississippi and, you know, say, this is my wife and, you know, that's all you need to do. And, and so, you know, whereas I might've been more cautious or more um, considerate, if you will, and now we're just able to talk more openly. And, and I think that that's, that's where the freedom comes from and, and being able to do so. And I, and I think that's also true with some of the racism talk that's going on. I think that a lot of people have just kept it to themselves and they haven't had, felt like they could be vocal about it. And now we have that thing in the, in the president and, and, you know, and, and he, his, he, the voice, the ugliness that he's, espousing is giving people validity to say what they've always thought and felt and maybe taking it to a different level because they feel that way. And so, uh, yeah, on this eve of, of the election eve, uh, you know, I, I don't know where we'll end up, but uh, we, we all do need to 
think about each other in, in ways that are from the individual and not from the collective, to your mm. point. So what, when do you think that changed for you? Can you isolate it? Like, was it a gradual shift or was there a moment where you felt more comfortable being, like, vocally out? Uh, it probably depends on the audience. Um, as far as wherever and whatever I'm, wherever I'm going, I think um, because we're so publicly out as being lesbian couples and uh, a couple and, and we've had to everything from our fundraising, from our marketing, all of it, it's like out there. Um, and so it's interesting. I mean, you should, you should interview Naomi uh, sometime because she has a very different background, yes. grew up in a very conservative religious uh, environment. And uh, you know, still her, we, her parents were not invited to our wedding and so but they lived with us for a year so some interesting uh things around that but uh i i th- i think but also working with the human rights campaign um and you know I, I, there are gradual levels of what you're comfortable uh saying in a public place so in some i mean in some ways the the company has given you some freedom. I mean, because you have, you started the company to be like, I want to provide freedom for other people. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you could do that was by talking about yourself, which kind of then inversely provided some freedom for you. And I think it just becomes more and more comfortable. It's just, it's just like saying wife now just kind of I don't know how to not say it now because you just, you, you, I'm not, being cautious. I'm just, it's just being who I am. And so, yeah. so that's, that's kind of interesting too. But to your point as well, the brand and who we're resonating with, I've, I've learned so much uh, from, from our uh, trans community, from non- non-binary, you know, uh, the, the millennials uh, in terms <laughs> of gender and all of that stuff, which has been really interesting and a really fun part of this is kind of re- re-examining some of that stuff. And so that's, you know, we've, we've moved into the gender neutral women. We are gender neutral underwear. And so now how do we push that conversation and how do we represent that more inclusively on our website? And so, I've noticed, I've actually noticed the branding. I, I think you're doing a pretty good job just to say, I mean, whatever some one random person's opinion, but I have noticed um, the shift in, you know, what your, what models you're using. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's pretty cool. Also, you know, you and I are, are, um, we are, we are very different generations because Mm -hmm. the same week that I graduated from college, I lived in Massachusetts and Massachusetts became the first state to legalize same sex marriage that week. So, As I graduated and entered adulthood, you know, you think about college as like this moment to enter adulthood. Um, I went from like I, w- I just became a, a validated human sort of as exiting. And I had like a very, very um, intense experience in college because I had gone to a Catholic college. It wasn't great. It didn't you know, I didn't feel good about being out. And then as I moved into adulthood, it was immediately um sort of given some of the bandwidth that you're talking about, just like, oh my God, suddenly people use the word wife. Like yesterday they didn't and I was in college right. and I was a child and today I'm like an adult and now they use the word wife. So for me, wow. you know, the um, 
my whole, I really think of my whole adulthood as seeing, as sort of being in this new era of, and it wasn't that I never heard hate and certainly not living there, you know, like during that time, and it was very contentious. It's not like everybody was fine with it overnight, but I heard hate and I saw examples of real couples who were married. I mean, I was there, I was on the state house steps or, right. or city hall watching folks, you know, emerge like holding hands and stuff. It was wild. Um, and so the shift that you're talking about, that like comfort, that certainly happened within me. And it's not to say that, um, you know, like I've lived my entire adult life never fearing or things like that. But I just didn't have to make this this shift that you had to make, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of trying to figure out who to talk to or or how to speak to what audience when. Like I didn't have to do that. And it's because of the work that folks like like you did. You know, it's because you were – out there working with HRC when you found them. It's because of that, that, that that's true for me. And so first of all, thank you. Oh, that's very kind. Very but, kind. But I also like, I have, I, I can't imagine, um, you know, I can't imagine entering adulthood and not have, not having that. Well, I, I appreciate that. But, but the reality also is that I moved to one of the most liberal parts of the <laughs> And so, sure. you know, I go back and, and see our, 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 our brothers and sisters who are, are, are in very conservative areas and parts of the country that still harbor a lot of hatred and, uh, you know, things aren't good. I mean, one of my favorite prides to go to is Atlanta because, you know, the, the, the struggle is still real, very real there. Yes. And now our trans, our trans family is, is really uh, uh, facing some scary violence and, and all of that. So it, it's, it is, it's kind of like, okay, we got marriage. Now it's going to be better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit, we still have to, we still have some struggles and we still have some educating and there's still a lot of hatred sadly out there. And um, I just can't imagine what that must feel like for people who, who feel that on a, on a regular basis. And um, even though I'm, I'm more able to identify it because in our per- current political environment, it's the most uh, like I've come to like really uh, just I, I just can't stand so much that's going on. It's just so, so heartbreaking. Have you never felt like this before politi- politically? Yeah, I mean, you know, I never I, I never liked. I mean, you know, I didn't like any of the Bush. I was like disappointed. I thought I'd move to Canada after George W. And then it was like, all right, you know. But this is completely different. This is this just feels like you know our values and our our morals and, and what I believed our country to stood, stands for. Uh, you know, especially growing up an army brat, uh, that has been really uh, disheartening. And and I think that part of it is because reality TV and and we're all looking at each other and we're all comparing ourselves to each other and we're all judging each other and we're all you know having being entertained by that and i think that that's that's a real um i I think that's a a not a not a good thing i think that's detrimental for all of us uh to be constantly uh mocking others is it part of the human condition probably but i don't know i just wish we could be more thoughtful about it because it inevitably hurts someone else more than it hurts you yeah i mean i i hear that i don't know if it's is it part of the human condition, the like cruelty, I don't know. And also like is overt cruelty 
worse than behind the scenes, you know, systemic cruelty. It's hard to even know anymore. Like this is, it feels like so many um, band-aids have been torn off all at once, just a simultaneous (laughs) ripping of band-aids. But, you know, also I think for me, what I feel about this is that, and I'd be curious if you've experienced this because I just don't know. Like for me, it feels new because um, there's like no qualification. You know, there's, he has the, the, our current president has no qualification to do his job. And I guess that to me makes the reality of sexism and, you know, white supremacy, like so much more crushing because it's not like I thought that George W. Bush was, um, innately intelligent, but I, I felt that his family sort of forced him into training for the job. Like, it's like, it's like somebody who's just, uh, like a terrible athlete and they're just put through the paces until they, you know, can like sort of catch a ball or whatever. Like that's, that's how it felt. And, um, you know, this doesn't feel like that. And I think that that that's what feels so bad to me is that it makes me wonder, um, why I'm trying so hard to do the things that you and I are talking about doing, you know, like being fair, working for justice and putting my, you know, by my best foot forward all the time. Like, God, I've, I've been trying so hard to do this. And this, like, you know, this person who's, who's, um, unkind, unqualified waltzes in literally to steal money. I mean, it's like, he's holding a bag. That's like, that's like labeled, like this is to steal money. <laughs> like it's so, yeah. and it, and it still works. And I think yeah, that, look at those, look at those, look at that caravan. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, <laughs> and I guess that's what feels so wild to me. And I just don't know if you've experienced that before, but I feel like I haven't seen that before. And, yeah. you know, especially yeah. with the work that you did, um, political consulting. I mean, was that ever something that you felt like you were up against even on like a local level? No, I, no, I don't think any of us have ever seen anything quite like it. And, and, you know, I'm hoping it's a pendulum swing um, to, because the, the, you know, the the white guys are so frightened. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's, it's like, okay, if it's not a pendulum swing, because now we have the guy in, in Brazil and uh, you know, there's some, uh, uh, scary things happening over in Europe. And so, you know, then Naomi and I were talking about this the other day. It's like, okay, do we move or eh, we'll probably just become part of the resistance. <laughs> I mean, to me, it does feel like the, you go, okay, you move, but then like, I just, I don't think I could, I don't think I could even, even to like finish that sentence. I don't think I could do right. it. I just don't think I could, I don't think I could leave. I don't think yeah. I could abandon the ship. Yeah. We got it. We got to fight. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think I could do it. Not for, not for the family that I have here. And I don't, you know, I don't just mean my family of origin. I mean, like, yeah. how could you, you know, right. It almost yeah. seems like under a different administration, it was like more, you know, you could like maybe justify moving <laughs> during the second Bush administration. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Cause you're like, everybody will like sort of be fine. I'll just be like mostly pissed, but everybody yeah. will be like, yeah, maybe, exactly. you know, whatever. But now it just feels yeah, it feels no, like now it feels like it could be a real resistance. So. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. I know. And here you are putting the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my question is, um, do you feel, you know, we've talked a little bit about 
why you started this company. And, and do you feel, and we're talking about this feeling of, you know, being overwhelmed, do you feel on a daily basis some joy and some, and some um, sense of accomplishment from what you've done? Oh my gosh, we get the best emails from customers every single day. And they really, we, we start our weekly meeting. We pick one that we read every Monday morning uh, to remind us uh, why we're here. And it's really for our customers. And oh, wow. uh, they make it, make it all worth our while. So we, we heard from, the, today's was a, a woman who's uh, just bought a pair of our six inch because she wanted them for biking and she can't believe how comfortable they are. And she's getting rid of all of her others. And she was worried her husband wouldn't like her in a six inch boxer. And he thinks they're awesome. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Stuff like that. Yeah. And what about personally? And this is, you know, feel free to tell me as much as you feel comfortable in this regard, but something else that, you know, when I talk to business owners on the podcast, I think it's important to also just be slightly transparent about like how we're doing financially. And so I don't mean like, you don't have to tell me like numbers, but you know, you, you talked a little bit about when you started and that, you know, you had the Kickstarter for the button downs and then you had the pre-sale to get things funded. So this few years in, how are things going? Are you financially solvent? Are you able to make a living off of this? Are you able to have a staff? Like what is, what is the growth of a business like yours right now? Well, in August of 2015, me and Naomi, uh, we were not making, uh, we weren't getting paid. We had no employees. Today we have 25 employees. We just closed our series A and we have, uh, we were, uh, in Inc. Magazine's, uh, 500 fastest growing companies at number 231. <laughs> so we've had a good, we've had a good few years. Uh, now we're, we've, uh, what I call, I'm a, I'm a, a former gamer. Well, I still do once in a while, but uh, we leveled up in terms of our uh, team and we're really focused on growth and taking it to the next level. We're kind of moving out of the, startup into a real business, um, mm -hmm. moving into a more medium sized business and out of small business. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty remarkable how fast it's happening. We're moving into a cool new space. So next time you're in Seattle and you drive down first Avenue, you'll see Tomboy X up on a big sign above, of a, above the Krispy Kreme. So stop by for donuts and underwear. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also curious because so that, does that mean, um, because right now you're still, you're, you're online only, correct? Yes. And that makes sense. It's working for you. Do you have any, do you have any plans to ever do retail? We would, uh, we're going to do some more events next year. We may do some pop-up shops and uh, see how that goes. And, you know, brick and mortar is pretty expensive. So yes. we, we just want to take it slow and steady. We, we don't want to run out of money. We want to, we want to fuel our growth and, we feel like awareness is a real opportunity for us right now. And we've got a, a lot of new product, fun new product coming out. We've got... Uh, Can you talk about any of that? Yeah, well, uh, let's see. Uh, we have some sweats coming out and a hoodie. Oh, cool. And we've got some new uh, prints on our, uh, on our swimwear coming out. We have a really great unisuit that sold out that's coming out with our with our very popular shark print 
<laughs> and we've got some fun new prints. The, the prints are always the most fun in terms of what we're coming out. And uh, so those, we have some, some new ones. We just launched today with penguins and pelicans and uh, or penguins and flamingos and the, the, the penguins are winning. So you need <laughs> flamingo lovers, you need to get on there and, and uh, purchase. So yeah, we're always looking for new stuff. Oh, we've got some uh, a really cute pajama set that's coming out that also has the penguins and the uh, flamingos on it. So a short, a short version of our pajamas, which is new. So, you know, something that number one, awesome. Number two, um, it also, I mean, you're talking about obviously like retail brick and mortar is like super expensive, but also for our community, um, not always necessary or I would even take a step further from necessary to like what folks want, because a lot of times if you're a queer person and not that not that I'm sure like your stores, if they were run by you, would have the the mentality of, you know, Tomboy X built into them. But say this is sold at, you know, whatever retailer that isn't you and you're just positioning it in some in, right. in a store. That's our community. You know, that's asking our community to walk in and we're buying underwear that might look non-normative compared to what somebody else is buying. It really is true that what's awesome about businesses like yours existing right now, you know, we don't, we like talk about stuff that sucks about the internet so much. We don't always focus on how rad it is for folks who, you know, might feel strange walking into a traditional brick and mortar business can now get like the thing that feels comfortable for them sent directly to their house. And like, that's a huge opportunity for, for our Absolutely. community. Yeah. We wanted to control the brand from the beginning mm -hmm. and uh, uh, there are enough of us that have had the experience of walking into the men's department and being redirected to the women's department yep. or um, just the frustration and annoyance of shopping in the women's department and not being able to find, um, shirts with cool cheetahs on them, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that, so, you know, um, that, that's definitely where we wanted to step in, but it's also important to us. I, I, I can't stress it and how it, it's so true that our, it's really about our customers. And so when we go to prides, Naomi and I try to be the ones that are there so that we can talk to people. We call customers on a regular basis. Um, Naomi's still doing customer service. I dip in and answer the easy customer service calls. Um, and so I have 100% approval. And uh, yeah, so it's just <laughs> all about, you know, kind of uh, wanting to keep that connection. It's really, we want our relation, our, our company to be relational and not transactional. I guess that's what happens when you uh, go into business for the right reasons. Well, let's see. Well, let's hope. Everybody keep buying underwear. And keep yeah, I'll knock on there's There's wood all around me, so I'm knocking on it. Excellent. Well, Excellent. before I send you back into your day and you keep um, nailing those customer service calls, I just wanted to ask you um, to shout out Aquiro, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel comfortable being the person you are today. I guess I'm going to keep it with um – I think what I'll do is, is keep it and focus on the business because that's been have, not knowing a knit from a woven when we started the company and not knowing how to run a business. There have been some real uh, queeros in, in our experience. So can I have two? Oh my God, you can have as many as you want. Cause actually this is great. I was going to ask you this question anyway, which is like, you know, are there any other businesses that like you 
because you're talking about put your money, putting your money where your mouth is. And that's, I think so too. Like, who would you recommend? So maybe this will do yeah. a two for one. Maybe this well, will do a two yeah, for one. It, it's interesting because the, the woman who worked for the branding agency that we met for a 20 minute coffee that turned into an hour and a half long conversation and then a meeting with her team the following day that really helped us give a voice to our brand. Uh, her name is, is uh, Courtney Loveman and she is, uh, she's just wonderful. And, such a, a, a good heart and soul and was really uh, critical at a time that we needed to find that, that person that could help us do that. She was the grandmother for seventh generation. So, uh, and then we also early on got a woman that was a judge on a panel for a pitch competition that I was doing. And she was so excited by the brand and love what we were doing and has been absolutely critical to our success because she's known exactly how much to spoon feed us when we need it. She hasn't pushed us. She hasn't overwhelmed us. She's just like, Oh, you're not ready for that yet. Here's what you need to focus on. And then has been a champion for us and is someone who's walked me off the ledge more than once. Um, you know, you, you talked about the entrepreneur piece. Uh, this is, I've, I've faced a lot of terrifying things in my life. And this was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And so, you know, to be able to just push through and persevere, finding people that will be there for you and that will help you see that it's going to be okay and feed you the right uh, stuff so that you can get to the, where it needs to be. And then um, obviously Naomi, um, is a big hero of mine because she's <laughs> been by my side through this whole thing and uh, still laughs at my stupid jokes and uh, and wants to still you know travel the world with me. So I, I couldn't be happier for that. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with those three. That sounds it sounds like you have set yourself up to have some great support. So yes, congrats. That's <laughs> rad. And I like your shirt too. I didn't say that. I love, oh, I like that shirt. Yeah. Soft and furry. Mm. Yeah. Well, Bren, thank you so much for taking time today to talk to me. It was a real pl pleasure to meet you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, best of luck. I think thank you. if you, if you are, uh, I love the path that you've been on all that listening that you're talking about constantly expanding. I think one thing that's so great about being part of the LGBT community is that you can learn so much. If you have a brand um, that is trying to, uh, you know, constantly expand, here's an awesome community to be a part of because you have access to so many different types of people as family. So like, that's rad that you think that way too, because you're going to keep, um, you know, making the brand accessible to more folks. So that's great. Yeah. Thank you. And, and if anybody catches us not doing so, let us know. Ooh, that's <laughs> what I like to hear. Awesome. <laughs> Take care. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. <laughs>